hi. Hi. Here we go. Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you, and you too. Hey, Todd. Hello! So, a, um... You know, a a teenager talking about climate change is great. Yeah. A teenager speaking at the UN and inspiring millions around the world to, to protest and take action on climate change. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. No, great. No. Thurnberg. No, I get it. She's Swedish. Nothing spices up a dad joke like topical humor. <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome to the Mark and Todd cast. I am Todd, and I am joined by Mark. How are you, Mark? I'm really well. Good, good. It is a beautiful day to be inside <laughs> a black curtained room <laughs> recording a podcast, uh, but I love being back. So uh, let's dive into some things here. Have you heard the exciting news, Mark, that the far side, the comic strip, Gary Larson, Gary Larson is going to be coming back? No. If you go to uh, farside.com. Uh, it teases something. I don't think anyone knows quite what it is yet, but um, there is something that will be coming from the far side. So, not that far side dot com. Uh -oh. um, what is that? Is that like actually going to kink dot com instead of kinkfm dot com? Kink dot fm. Um, and now it's. It, is oh, it? I just had it. Did you spell the far side? Oh, correctly? not the far side. Oh, maybe it's the far side. Oh. Let's do all this in real time. The Far Side by Gary Larson. Yes. Uh, yes. Uncommon, unreal, and soon to be unfrozen. A new era of The Far Side is coming. Yeah, so. <clears throat> so I was the biggest Far Side fan, right. as I'm sure you were yes, too. Like, yes, I My formidable years throughout high school were just spent reading those comics over and over I had all the books yeah all the gallery uh, the far all side the ga galleries <laughs> gallery two and they, all the things and one uh, of those has a great um it's like a foreword or introduction or whatever that's all by gary larson and tells a story about how he got his jobs and had like oh. a bunch of extra like ones that didn't make the cut and like all of these great stories about about <laughs> cartooning and all that and i attended a um a gallery ex exhibition um, in San Francisco once, uh, where the, the, the San Francisco Museum of Art or right. whatever, uh, had rooms and rooms filled with originals of, uh, wow. of them. and, and I, I was 16 and just, <laughs> who wants to go to the museum with me? <laughs> and Guys. here we sit without opposable thumbs, you know, <laughs> just like, <laughs> uh. Making uh, thag jokes and all that. There's a surprising amount of scientific things named after the Far Side and Gary Larson too, because he was such that. a hit in that in that nerdy community, <laughs> which is pretty great. But he was one of those interesting cases. Him and Bill Watterson, Bill Watterson, who did Calvin and Hobbes, that when they walked away, they 
walked away. There was no like special. There was no like two years after doing that. They walked away. They rarely, if ever, do interviews. I know Bill Watterson has never done an interview. Mm. Uh, there's a whole documentary about him that I don't think he actually appears Endorsed in. Or, yeah. Um, but yeah, the same with Gary Larson. I remember Rick Emerson used to talk about how he thought that was just a great way to go out just which i guess explains why he disappeared into the (laughs) into the smoke and mist but he was like that's if you're gonna go out just go away right you just go away so but um i think it's enough time has passed that it'll be interesting to see especially since new generation like there's a whole you know there's well and a generation that doesn't know to read it in the newspaper or who or what um, hmm. that was, I mean, my favorite, so my favorite comics, uh, comic strips growing up were, I, uh, I love the far side and I did grow to like Calvin and Hobbes. I think I was not quite sophisticated enough to kind of know really right. a lot of the things going on, but I always, I always really enjoyed it. It was always a highlight, but I loved Foxtrot. Do you ever leave um, Foxtrot? Yeah, n- not uh, not extensively, but I remember you it. You are, yeah, yeah. You're a couple yeah. years older than me, so it probably yeah. really came into form probably when you were, you know, not re- maybe not reading the daily right. comic strips anymore, but right. that is a full-on nerd fest <laughs> is Foxtrot. I mean, just Star Wars math jokes. I, there's like complicated math jokes in it. Nice. It's yeah. It's so Foxtrot is so great. I should let you borrow some of the. I tried to get some of the kids interested in them because I have all the the compilations of Foxtrot. My my elementary school years from like ten uh, maybe middle school. So middle school, I just loved. That was elementary school. Uh, I loved uh, BC comics, which Brother. is just so, so the, the, the warmest water of a comic strip. That no, <laughs> no Wizard of Id for you was that one too scary? Uh, was that a couple weeks ago that um, that I found out? I don't know if I said this on the show, and now I'm gonna forget how it goes. But uh, one of the one of them was a spinoff of High and Lois. Huh. Which clearly wasn't Wizard of Is because that takes right. or BC, I guess. Dang, nab it now. Now I'm gonna have to look that up. To, that's a look up for you. High and low, yes. High and lowest uh, spin-off. <laughs> well, because there's uh, so many of those uh, comic creators, um, Mort Walker and Dick Brown. Dick Brown did Hagar the Horrible, High and Lowest, like all of those, those really gentle. Um, the oh, Beetle Bailey. So Beetle oh. Bailey was a spinoff of High and Lowest. Um, or the other way around, I can't remember now, but, um, yeah, all of those were just such tepid, tepid, gentle, gentle humor, um, to go by. I was trying to look up to see if there's a good Foxtrot math joke, but no, I can't <laughs> find one. Um, anyway, well, let's dive into some news <laughs> before I just start reading comic strips on the air. <laughs> so one of the things that we've talked about over the last year or so is this weird, sonic sonic weapon that keeps happening down in Cuba and it's still a mystery but now evidence has um maybe shown that it could be a an exposure to a neurotoxin so the mysterious ailments experienced by some 40 Canadian US diplomats and their families while stationed in Cuba may have had nothing to do with the sonic quote attacks but instead could be neurotoxic agents used in pesticide uh, pesticide pesticide fumigation so uh, a number of the people living in Havana 
uh, started getting symptoms like headaches, dizziness, nausea, and difficulty concentrating, and some described hearing a buzz or high-pitched sound right before they got sick. Um, so the researchers identified a damaged region of the brain that is responsible for memory, concentration, and the sleep-awake cycle, and then looked at how its region could be injured. Quote, there are very specific types of toxins that take effect, uh, that affect this uh, part of our nervous system, and they're insecticides, pesticides, organophosphates, uh, and specific neurotoxins. So that's why we generated the hypothesis that we went to test, uh, that we went to test in other ways. So um, 26 of the people who were affected participated in the study, including a control group of people who lived near uh, Havana, uh, blah, blah, blah. So they're still trying to figure out what's going on, but it's becoming more and more clear that something <laughs> is going on. So, and since they use a lot of sprays and pesticides <clears throat> right. in Cuba um, and uh, insects carry infectious diseases, like it could be just a soup of. So the symptoms have, have pointed towards an audio attack, like a, like a, yeah, well, because some of them said that they heard the high pitch, pitch. or the buzzing beforehand, Boy. but I mean, audio stuff, I but guess, I could. Too. Yeah, that's true. They all had to, they were all Mark and they <laughs> all had tinnitus. tinnitus. Nobody else hears that buzzing? <laughs> Turn it down. Um, but I would, I would guess too that sonically you can affect your balance because in your inner ear is where right. your balance is, the fluid or whatever is located. Um, but after the symptoms kept piling up, they kind of re looked at it and said, well, some neurotoxins can have the same. Uh -huh. So maybe the sound was unrelated or maybe that's just, I don't know. <coughs> so um, blah, blah, blah. So that continues to, to unravel there, which is kind of crazy. Wow. Yes. Wow. So uh, <clears throat> you remember back in January, uh, China had a lunar lander land on the backside of the moon. Right. And the part, part that I can't understand why we can never see if both us and the moon are revolving. It's revolving and always showing us the same side. So does it only revolve simply line. because it keeps going around us? It is not spinning on its own axis? Well, it is spinning on its own axis. Right. So that's the part. At the exact same frequency as it rotates it around the it earth. It seems like the other side of the earth then would be seen only the dark side. <laughs> no, no, no. I know we're gonna have it's to. Just, we're, I'm gonna have to find a always... model of the solar system at the bins. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, it landed on the backside of it. So it also is a fact that a day on the moon is a month long. Oh, okay, that helps a little bit, but still, okay. still not clearing things up. But so it landed in January, and it had a. Uh, payload on it that had some living items in it. it had cotton seeds, potato seeds, rape seeds, which is a type of <laughs> Unfortunately clover. Unfortunately <laughs> named, yes, but that is it. What they always make oil out of too. Yeast, fruit fly eggs, <laughs> and another weed uh, that they didn't have a common name for, so they just gave the Latin name of Arabidus uh, <laughs> Thalinamim. Whatever grows in my <laughs> Whatever lawn. Whatever grows in my lawn. <laughs> and um, there was a 14-day window of warmth because this payload had to stay under three kilograms because of uh, constraints of the, of the system. So there was no heater aboard it. And so they just had these little things in this little, little container with 
the sensors and um everything uh died effectively with the exception <laughs> of the cotton seeds the cotton seeds sprouted huh. and uh then as the 14th day ends it goes into darkness on the backside of the moon which is 370 <laughs> degrees below zero Jeez Louise. and so that <laughs> sealed the deal with uh, not being alive anymore but apparently there were there were discussions that they wanted to send a little uh, turtle to them. Oh no! <laughs> and everybody's like, no, "No, it'll die." Turtles don't hibernate, <laughs> do they? Uh, tortoises do. Tortoises do. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I used to have a tortoise and of course you uh, did. named King Tut, and and we we got him. He would hibernate like back underneath my bed. Okay, and um. And it was like six months long, basically, you know, or whatever, uh, a long time during the winter time. And we got a puppy towards the beginning of his hibernation, had the puppy for months, and then all of a sudden, King Tut starts waking up and coming out. And I can't tell you how freaked out that golden retriever was. That After it doing ro- nothing, a rock <laughs> suddenly comes to life. <laughs> he would, panicked uh so yeah uh there was that so so there's so they're trying to study like the effects of both radiation and temperature and microgravity microgravity on other creatures but they they uh they call it a success because they did have something sprout right uh, and uh they have more learning. You take my passion flower vines because <laughs> nothing can kill it. <laughs> 370 degrees below zero. Who cares? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, well, something that uh, our friends at Not Nerd, uh, Dave, Dave, uh, one of the hosts, put it into my head that, of course, all the, the self-scanners now that, that has the little... Little camera, the little camera on it, and sometimes they have the screen to show that, you know, we're recording, which I'm fine with that aspect to show that, but that they're just getting your facial recognition data. So uh, Home Depot and and Lowe's are both accused of scanning millions of customers' faces. Um, They've been uh, just one of the latest companies to get swiped by a class action lawsuit. So a group of plaintiffs simultaneously uh, uh, charged in court against them violating the Illinois state law by surreptitiously scanning customers' faces as they moved about the chain stores. So according to the lawsuits... They have uh, the Home Depot and Lowe have consistently uh, declined to publicly discuss their systems, Um, blah, blah, blah. They're calling it loss prevention and all that. And um, they can also track shoppers across multiple stores uh, to identify suspicious uh, shopping activity, I guess, if there's a certain thief that only hits Lowe's, I guess, (laughs) trying to steal one of those giant pieces of lumber. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> staying straight on to the camera so perspective wise you can't see like the huge flat piece of particle board there <laughs> they've slipped under their arm um so anyway so that's just another and those weren't even just the self-scanning that was just their in-store cameras so so i saw that <clears throat> i saw that article on your list as as we were preparing for the show and it reminded me of something I'd heard about Andrew Yang this last week. So Andrew Yang is a Democratic uh, challenger for... He's the new Bernie as far as grassroots support goes, because like all of the, the nuggety liberal friends that I have are like very into Yang. 
he seems pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know anything about him other than that he seems <clears throat> very popular amongst a certain group of people. Yeah. Um, so he has proposed a new set of rights that are called the data as a property right. And so data generated by each individual needs to be owned by them with certain rights conveyed that will allow them to know how it's used and protect it. Wow, so, that's forward thinking. He'll never make it to the White House. He'll never make it to the White House. <laughs> the right to be informed as to what data is collected and how it will be used. The right to opt out of data collecting. The right to be told if a website has data on you and what that data is. Mm. The right to be forgotten to have all data removed. Wow. The right to be informed if ownership of your data changes hands. The right to be informed of any data breaches, including your information, in a timely manner, and the right to download all data in a standardized format to port to another platform. Wow. And so, <clears throat> so many of the mega companies right now rely, are, are, their business model is our data. Right. And well, and I forget, I just ordered uh, my buddy Colin, it was his birthday. And so I ordered him this rad Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, Chicago PD combo shirt that has like nice. all three of the cast pictures. And I gave it to him last night. He was like, oh, wow. Because <laughs> he always picks all, all his presents beforehand from his parents. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been just yeah. been buying stuff and keeping it in a bin in a garage, which the, <laughs> he then makes everybody wrap up so he can open on his birthday. <laughs> but um, but through Redbubble, which is a company that does like one-off type things, it must have been then because all of a sudden, six or seven different companies are like sending me junk mail. Exactly. Now. I was like, oh, that must have been what it was. Exactly. So I I really like this idea. Yeah, there's there's so much mystery around the data that is collected on us mm -hmm. and you know we just really don't know how much is ridiculously collected like even with your google phone in airplane mode it is collecting information that then when it's out of airplane mode uploads you're like <laughs> but i had it in that mode to prevent you from tracking me. So then it was tracking you, but just holding it so it doesn't have to transmit it. You know, it, it, things like that. Yeah, You're just like, everything's that's shady. not fair. Yeah. <laughs> no fair, guys. <laughs> Jeez. You know, and so they give us the tools that we like to play with so that, you know, I can see what I look like at age 85 <laughs> and... I look like my grandfather. Or me taking the, the Pottermore <laughs> quiz this last week to see what house I was in. Right. <laughs> to the surprise of no one, I was a Hufflepuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what that means because I, I didn't read all the is, books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a. I was talking with one of uh, Colin's older brothers who's 16 now, and they, um, both of Colin's older brothers, follow the video game industry um, really closely. And there's all this stuff, especially in Europe, about what are called loot boxes in games. Are you familiar with those? So loot boxes are yep. elements in a game where it may or may not contain something helpful uh, towards your quest or whatever, but it's basically like a slot machine. Like you pay for it, you don't know what you're gonna get, 
And so it's this whole model of gambling within games. And in Europe, they're kind of clamping down on that. And, and we were talking about the, the United States. And I'm like, well, the United States right now doesn't have anyone that knows anything about how computers in general work. So we're not doing anything about gaming because like nobody know, like we're busy asking Mark Zuckerberg, like why my face app isn't working correctly or whatever we do with him. So I'm like, it's going to be a while before we have any representatives that know anything about technology. Exactly. And in that meantime, all of this, all of this stuff is happening. So that and like this whole, which, which I promise not to get into, but this whole vaping stuff the best comment I heard about it doesn't have anything to do with the actual controversy, but like as bigger things in this country have been unfolding or not unfolding, depending on who you want to believe, um, we always keep hearing like democracy is a purposely slow machine, you know, so there's no wild changes that can make. It takes all these committees and all these things and all these setups before, which, you know, is, is how you, how you put brakes on the government sometimes. But then to all of a sudden see like one, this one vaping thing. And like in two days, there's a ban on it. There's a ban on it. Right. I mean, so to see how quickly things could Could happen and then never do. And then you go, Oh, the Mercer family has so much, you know, so many billions of dollars over the opioid process. You're like 30 the tobacco industry, 30,000 people die from opioids every year. And, uh, and tobacco, it's black yeah. market tobacco. Uh, anyway, so anyway, <laughs> I'm with you. Well, let's go to otter news where a man sues organ clinic over a donated sperm used for 17 kids. So a man who said his donated sperm was used to father at least 17 kids, uh, there was a violation and has sued. Dr. Bryce Cleary believes it's possible he had many more children uh, from his donations 30 years ago. Um, so he donated when he was a first-year medical student at OHSU after the hospital's fertility clinic solicited him and other classmates. In March 2018, so almost 30 years later, his lawsuit says he began to learn that his donation successfully resulted in the births of some children after two women, both through the fertili- fertility clinic, contacted him, uh, even though he would, they were not supposed to. Uh, the suit said the young woman told them they used Ancestry.com data as well as a, quote, specific and substantive uh, in substantive intermate easy substantiative that's a word right am i saying that word substantive anyway substantive substantive i guess wow <laughs> check my ancestry.com is a, <laughs> a rock in a field somewhere um who so that she also said that in ancestry.com plus is a specific information given to them by the fertility clinic uh to identify siblings uh, so then Cleary sent his own information to Ancestry.com and discovered he had at least 17 offspring born through his donations. And so now he's wading through, quote, moral, legal, and ethical issues and personal obligation he now feels towards 17 children. Um, he's now married and has three sons with his wife as well as an adopted daughter. Um, and he said the clinic also breached another promise that all of the children were to be born to mothers living outside of Oregon. He lives in Corvallis and learned that at least two of the offspring have attended the same schools as the children he raised with his wife. So there is a big uh, failing over when when 
you can just go to Ancestry.com and what's supposed to be blind donations or blind adoptions or all of these things that are just, oh, I guess that doesn't exist anymore. Here's 17 kids you have and now you have to figure out how to weave that into your life story. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> old man yells at clouds <laughs> he yells at sperm bank <laughs> you're just being quiet so i just get going on and on i know just like, <laughs> see how long i would go I without being stopped <laughs> uh, do you have any other ones uh i don't okay i have one more um, that is some awesome news for what I would call best friend of Portland at the movies, David Walker, <laughs> whose name has always come up. You've never met and has never been right. on the show. Um, but um, let's see. So Legendary Pictures, which is a film studio production uh, company, has made a deal with Black Panther and Creed director Ryan Coogler uh, to produce a comic book series based on an adaptation of a comic called Bitter Root, uh, created by David Walker and Sanford Green. Uh, and the uh, the illustrator Chuck Brown. So the story is set in a vibrant Harlem Renaissance of 1924 and focuses on a fractured family of once great monster hunters who must face an unimaginable evil that descends upon New York. Um, so there's been five uh, issues of the comic uh, printed so far. Uh, so that is going to maybe be coming out uh, in the next couple years. First, Ryan Coogler, who directed um like i said uh, black panther and uh both of the creeds i believe is producing colin's most exciting movie coming up ever space jam 2 <laughs> who's colin asked me every day when that's coming when's, out when's space jam 2 coming out <laughs> uh so he's doing that uh Kugler's doing that first and uh, another black panther sequel for marvel in 2022 but awesome news for um for david walker yeah, that's uh, really, who, really cool. Uh, so he'll be an executive producer on whatever this project is, too. So very, very exciting. So congratulations to him. Someday I'll meet him. Someday, <laughs> yes, you'll meet best friend of our show <laughs> who doesn't know he's our best friend yet. So um, I had one more story that I don't feel like reading, but it involves uh, Ivanka's Trump firm, Ugh. Trump's firm uh, getting Chinese uh, trademark approvals for voting machines. So... If you're interested in that, you can go uh, go to Reuters and and check up on that. Let's see. There's a there's a great quote. Um, the group, <laughs> an ethics watchdog group in Washington, said it was the largest number of new Chinese trademarks her company has received in a single month. So, <laughs> things like a fashion fashion show uh, fashion shoes jewelry for a company Ivanka said that she has put on the sidelines during this administration, but as well as voting machines and nursing homes. So, what? So intellectual property lawyers say trademark applications are often very broad. Um, the Chinese government <laughs> denied anything untoward was going on. So right. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Right. Can play our honk again, I guess. <laughs> the the worstly, worstly, the worstly. most poorly timed horn honking that I've never <laughs> fixed. Does that do it for the news? That is it. Okay, then let's. Why do I have nine hundred windows open here? Let's talk about Sonic sketches. Boom! Boom! So, wow! I'm never gonna do that. That was. I need a palate cleanser after that. That was terrible. 
So sonicsketches.com is where you want to go now that we're ramping down into the Christmas season. Um, it's a great way to get uh, uh, your favorite song captured as a high-resolution audio wave and then rendered as a rendered as a carefully detailed full contrast image. They're the waveform of your favorite song or sound or something special that you wanted to keep and make it into a cool piece of art. Uh, they come in either one panel or or three three smaller smaller panels of brushed aluminum. They're really cool. Um, they come uh, so that you can mount them right on the wall, and they come with little different facts about the song you picked or. Or um, I guess it's not going to give you any personal information if you had your own <laughs> your own sound made. It's not going to give you a background on that one. But uh, you can have your own personal stuff done. So check out sonicsketches.com. It's really cool. Help support our show as well. Um, and use the promo code MarkTodd for free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Boom. <laughs> I, almost got you I, almost, I know. <laughs> I almost did it again. Dang, damn it. What else does that work with? <laughs> that was disgusting. <laughs> I just spat upon myself. Uh, A boom. <laughs> Trying not to boom, I guess. All right. Well, we almost were going to talk about Joan of Arc today. Oh. Because, <gasps> oh, yeah. I have a Joan of Arc reference. <laughs> of course you do. What's your Joan of Arc so, reference? So <clears throat> this last week, on Tuesday, both Nick and myself found us in a situation where we just had kind of the day free. Uh, I didn't yet have Wi-Fi at my new office and everybody was on vacation. And so I was just like, what do you want to do today? And so we we went to Seattle for the day. And so we, I love <clears throat> um, the crossing ferries uh, up there. And so I like went up. Um, and going kid, on boats. And going on boats. Bring! Um, so I went up to, we went up to like Bainbridge Island and took the ferry across over to Seattle and stuff. But on our way up to Bainbridge Island, we went to the, uh, manuscript museum located in, um, in not SeaTac in uh, Tacoma. Tacoma. And there's a museum that is distributed that they've got, I think nine or 10, uh, across the United States. And so it's one museum with all these little outlets. And they also have installations in libraries and schools across the United States. And they have a collection of over 1 million manuscripts. And they, they have the largest collection of, ma of manuscripts in the United States. And uh, I saw a manuscript from Joan of Arc at wow. their ends. So they had queen like queen victoria stuff and and uh, just just uh, signing papers from the end of world war ii and uh, just ridiculous wow. things in this weird little building in the middle of tacoma that was absolutely empty save us and was the, it like what was the joan this, of arc one was it like actually her writing or yeah. what was it i mean yeah. she lived in, she lived in the 1400s exactly no there there were old documents from popes and everything and wow ton, tons of stuff so oh, that's cool uh uh and so the manuscript museum in tacoma uh takes less than an hour to uh to peruse uh but it's really remarkable and wow and, and they probably uh, had new stuff in like if they're the, uh, the combination yeah. uh, so like every three months of... every three months they cycle between museums wow. and so you can go every three months and get a fresh batch of 
of really famous people's manuscripts. That's cool. Yeah, because I don't really know other than like through cultural osmosis. I don't didn't I don't really know a lot about Joan of Arc. How much of it is like made up? How much right. of it is like whatever? And so I was like, that's always been on my back burner if I can't think of anything else. And so I was going to do that, and I watched a couple of videos, and then I something else came up that has kind of popped up for the last couple of weeks in, in a bunch of different podcasts I listen to. I think one of them is from Unspooled, which is a great podcast about the American film's top 100 movies, and it's got Paul Shear and um, and Amy Nicholson, her name is, who is a film critic, and they're going through the, the top 100 films, and they've uh, talked a little bit about the Hollywood blacklist. And about the um, what they everyone calls HUAC, which is the House Un-American Activities Committee that was famous. Um, and so I kind of wanted to look into that because that just kept popping up. And it was something that I'd never hmm. really, other than kind of seeing various news clips about it, I didn't really know much about. So most people associate... Uh, Again, it's the House Un-American Activities Committee, which is the most clunkily named anything. So I'll just call it HUAC. Um, is mostly associated with with Joseph McCarthy, but he was never on it. They just kind of coincide, and we'll get to that a little later, but they kind of coincided at the same time, but he was never really part of of that committee. But the committee dates back to uh, uh, around 1917 and 1918, and it was first called the Overman Committee, and it was uh, a committee that operated from September... Uh, 1918 to June 1919 and was originally uh, concerned with investigating pro-German sentiments uh, in the American liquor industry, of all things. Hmm. Um, But after World War I ended, uh, the German threat lessened, never to be seen on the world stage Hmm. again. Uh, And the committee (laughs) began uh, investigating Bolshevism, which had appeared uh, as a threat during the first Red Scare. So at the beginning of the First World War, Uh, Or after, excuse me, after the Russian Revolution in 1917, there was a big red scare in the United States about about communism. And so it looked into that. And because the Germans weren't threatening us, the the threat of this is keep America feeling threatened and we could do whatever we want for a long time. Um, So GOP playbook. Yes. So uh, (laughs) too soon, too current. Um, so then we get something called the Fish Committee. Uh, now, Hamilton Fish the Third, the most uh, like stodgy <laughs> upper upper crust New York uh, name ever, uh, was a fervent anti-communist, and he introduced a proposal to establish a committee to inv- investigate communist activities called the Fish Committee, uh, and they grant they recommend granting. Uh, more authority to investigate investigate communists and strengthen uh, immigration and deportation laws to help keep communists out of the United States. So now that brings us to like around 1934 and uh, they kind of turn their attention toward more um, Nazi propaganda. So now the committee is called the Special Committee on Un-American Activities Authorized to Investigate Nazi Propaganda and Certain Other Propaganda Activities. Isn't that also Kim Jong Un's title? One of <laughs> one of his titles. Yes, but when you do it as a character oh, in right. a language, it's just two little two symbols. Little symbols. I, that makes sense. Two women living under the same house. Isn't that always the joke of like frustration or anger or one <laughs> of those is like two women living under the I same see. roof or whatever. <laughs> um, so then we get into the late 30s and early 40s. Um, 
where they want to establish a more uh, permanent committee for uh, un-American activity. So in 1938, HUAC was established to investigate alleged disloyalty and subversive activities on the part of private citizens, public employees, and organizations suspected of having communist or fascist ties. Um, it mostly con uh, concentrated its efforts on communism. So they, But they also put out an argument for the internment of Japanese Americans known as the, quote, Yellow Report, uh, organized in response to rumors that Japanese Americans were being coddled by the War Relocation Authority because of the news that some of the inmates would be allowed to leave camp. So um, they suggested um, that because of alleged certain cultural traits like the Japanese loyalty to the emperor, the number of Japanese fishermen in the United States, and their Buddhist faith were evidence for Jap uh, Japanese espionage. So um, there was... Support out of all the members except for one, and they recommended to expedite the uh, impending segregation of, quote, troublemakers and establish a system to investigate applicants uh, for leave clearance, blah, 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 and to step up Americanization and assimilation efforts uh, for the Japanese internment. So now we're in 1946, and they're like, well, what more can we do to Japanese people? So maybe we should investigate the Ku Klux Klan, but they didn't. Because after all, quote, the KKK is an old American institution. Oh, Lord. But uh, to be fair, 25 years later in 1965, the committee did conduct an, inf uh, an investigation into the Klan activities. Um, so now that it's become a standing committee, it starts to get a little more exciting. So there's nine representatives investigated... Um, uh, on the on the committee, and they were investigating suspects of threats of subversion or propaganda. Uh, and under that mandate, the com uh, the committee focused its investigations on real and sub uh, suspected communists in positions of actual or supposed influence. So that led to um, what was called the Hollywood blacklist. And this is kind of where. Um, it uh, diverges a little bit uh, into McCarthyism and all of that, which I'll kind of talk about. But the blacklist was in 1947. Um, and, of course, all of the politicians were um, starting just to accuse everyone. But firstly, they they um, focused on Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a Hollywood uh, 10 who were blacklisted by the, ind uh, by the industry. Um, but more than 300 artists... Uh, from directors, radio commentators, actors, screenwriters, uh, were boycotted by the studio. And some people like Charlie Chaplin and Orson Welles just left the country. Um, but some of the other people that were um, persecuted because they uh, were accused of being communist sympathizers were uh, Lucille Ball, who I think simply because she was so beloved was allowed to just say, nah, -uh, and like <laughs> go home and like live her life. But, um, but she was born red. <laughs> Sorry, we have a... <laughs> uh, Elmer and Lin uh, Leonard Bernstein, the composers, um, Louis Buñuel, who's a film director, Charlie Chaplin. Um, I mean, this list is like hundreds of people of people long. Uh, Orson Welles is another big one. Danny Kaye, who nobody remembers but me because <laughs> it was an Ellen DeGeneres joke at one point, <laughs> a punchline. Um, anyway, so that list goes on and on and on. Um, uh, like I said, Orson Welles and and other directors. So in uh, 
In response to the House investigations, more studios produced a number of anti-communist and anti-Soviet propaganda. These names are great. Uh, Films such as The Red Menace, The Red Danube, Guilty of Treason, Red Planet. Like all of these pictures were being made um, to show that Hollywood was was anti-communist and not part of the... um, part of that big problem. So wow. um, on, in 1948, the committee heard testimony from someone named Elizabeth Bentley, an American who had been working as a Soviet agent in New York. Now, she claimed um, that more than half a dozen government officials, um, including someone named Alger Hiss, were part of um, a big communist uh, conspiracy. Uh, so most people did view uh, most people refused to answer the question citing the Fifth Amendment, but Hiss denied all charges. Um, but uh, there were doubts about his testimony, especially by freshman congressman who, that's right, Richard Nixon makes his first appearance, <laughs> uh, led to further investigation that strongly suggested Hiss had made a number of false statements. He cha- uh, Hiss challenged the members um, to repeat his charges outside a congressional committee, which the chambers did. So then he sued them for libel because they said it out loud outside of a court setting. Um, but he lost. And so he was indicted for perjury and convicted and imprisoned. So as this is all happening, um, McCarthy is starting to go crazier and crazier. Um, McCarthy was a huge alcoholic on top of, on top of everything else and targeting, um, almost everyone for becoming communists and dragging them in front of court. And so there's all this great, if you go to YouTube, you can find a lot of um, footage of Walt Disney sitting in front of Congress, like all of wow. these famous people. And it's that same, I have a, a little clip of, um, well, I'll, I'll get to him in a second here. So um, after McCarthy started um, his, he started to decline uh, people started turning against him, and I think two years after most of this, uh, he was dead from from alcoholism. But um, even Harry Truman, in the, by 1959, was calling uh, HUAC the most un-American thing in the country today. Um, there were some riots in the 60s um, because of some hearings in San Francisco. Uh, that led to a riot at Berkeley. Uh, But then we have Soviet affairs expert William Mandel, who was subpoenaed to testify, angrily denounced the committee and the police in a blistering statement. So this is part of what this um, Soviet expert, uh, William Mandel, and you'll hear the question that you'll always hear maybe parodied in, in, um, in popular culture that are like, are you now or were you ever a part of the Communist Party, sir? And it's like just a lot of so. Do you honestly apprehend, sir, that if you told this committee truthfully while you're under oath whether or not you are now this instant or ever have been a member of the Communist Party, you would be supplying information which might be used against you in a criminal proceeding? Honorable beaters of children and sadists, uniformed and in plain clothes. He's not happy. Distinguished Dixiecrat wearing the clothing of a gentleman. Eminent <laughs> Republican who opposes an accommodation with a one country with which we must live at peace in order for us all and our children to survive. If you think that I am going to cooperate with this collection of Judases, of men who sit there in violation of the United States Constitution, If you think I will cooperate with you in any way, you are insane. 
Nice. <laughs> That's so awesome. people were becoming really fed up. And then at this point, we're in the 60s and um, people who I, I need to do another uh, another show on him because I don't know much about him. But um, oh, dang, now I'm totally forgetting his name. But um, Abby Hoffman, hmm. who Abby Hoffman and a guy named Jerry Rubin were uh, part of the what they call the yippie movement, which is just kind of the hippie, the early hippie movement. Um, but we're 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 just kind of political rabble rousers but like they just wanted to like throw chinks into the system <laughs> am i allowed to <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's incredibly loud because of my computer <laughs> hello <laughs> they wanted to upset the system um, and so like one of i think one of abby hoffman's um he would do kind of like pranks he went to the stock exchange with like a gigantic wad of a, of $1 bills and just threw them into the pit where everyone was trade and stopped trading while all of these <laughs> traders are like pick it. And he's like, it cost me like a hundred dollars to disrupt $10 billion worth of industry. And so like wow. he was just one of those sixties iconoclast. And so I really want to learn more about him because I don't know much about him. But so now that Huac was going after them, like these guys had nothing to lose. Like their point was to disrupt things. And so they were, the culture was changing and now everyone was showing up like this William Mandel and being like, well, screw you. Like this is, this is bull. So, um, they did start, uh, investigating some of the, of course the anti-war movement. Um, but they started getting, um, disrupted by protesters and, um, people who were facing the committee were just openly defiant towards it. So, uh, the HUAC was formally terminated on January 14, 1975, two weeks before my birthday, uh, the day of the opening of the 94th Congress. So the committee's files and staff were transferred to the House Judiciary Committee. So HUAC from, uh, from 19, 1917 to 1975. Wow. Um, authority expanding and overexpanding uh, its power in, in different ways, in different arenas, but all based on the... Uh, and they did find some what they were actual spies and and sure. so like so it wasn't it was it was not all paranoia but just enough fact to fuel Lots the rest of, of the paranoia and a lot wow. yeah all of that stuff so it's easy to get people uh, worked up and and for this type of thinking I mean, this is when. Um, uh, Arthur Miller wrote *The Crucible*, which is about the Salem witch trials. But I mean, that's right. Same. was written during this time right. as a reflection. Yeah, I, I mean, the term McCarthyism and and like it was a defining period in our nation's history. Well, and, and it, that was really dark. And, and oh yeah, and the the just the information on just what you would call McCarthyism is just as long as like the whole right. history of Huag and like right. what was interesting I found out too that McCarthy wasn't actually exactly. part of that group wow. but just standing on um on the the on shoulders, shoulders of, of them, them I guess so but yeah just that that whole era of 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 ugliness based on fear and anger thankfully will never, <laughs> never be a place that the United that States is in again uh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, but yeah, wow. super fascinating. And like I said, there is a ton of, of little clips on YouTube of just like that guy screaming, like Walt Disney, all those people being dragged in front of 
And then there was a fallout too because there was the Hollywood blacklist. There were people who in Hollywood who quote unquote named names, named names. You'll always hear that too. And how that was affected their career and like people, I mean, people lost their lives because of these investigations and accusations and the steamroller effect that just takes place when something like that gets out of control. So it's incredible. Anyway. Wow. Well, really fascinating. Yeah. So maybe, maybe sometime we'll learn about Joan of Arc who I did, <laughs> I did watch a couple things and it was, it was pretty interesting and a lot more factual than, than I thought. Like I didn't know if it was like a King Arthur thing. Well, speaking of King Arthur, um, somebody I was talking to my neighbor and she's like what are you guys going to talk about and it's like probably Joan of Arc because I haven't thought of anything right and she's like oh that's like one of those Lady Godiva things and I was like well now is Lady Godiva like a King Arthur type legend right. or is that and so we actually looked that up while we were standing there and oh. like was a for real person and like 1200 or whatever and she was married to the king of her village and she was mad that the king kept increasing taxes unfairly mm. on the poor people and so kept trying to get him to stop it and the king wouldn't and finally the king was like fine if you ride through the town naked I'll drop taxes or whatever she's like all right and so she like made everyone stay inside or whatever and rode through town and um this is where I feel like it gets apocryphal because they're like, but there was one man named Tom who couldn't resist and peeped out the way. And that's where we get peeping Tom. Oh, apparently uh, no that's idea. where I, I like, I, I should click on the, <laughs> on the citation link on that one right. because that's where it seems like it gets a little, but yeah. And then convince the King to, to lower the tax rate. Cause she was mm. like, anyway, so that was funny. Do it. Taking one for the team. Taking one for the team. I still can't find a good. Ma- oh, yeah. this is not going to translate. But uh, here's <laughs> here's just an example of like a math joke that uh, Foxtrot would do. Like one panel is just nothing but math symbols of some sort. Because <laughs> the youngest kid is like a computer math geek, and so they're always doing these little inside. Anyway, well, anything else to talk about? I I does think the Unipiper have anything coming up? He's we've got the, the weird Portland United gala. Yeah, that's it's uh, going to be my first gala. I think it's it's going to be extraordinary. So the the weird Portland port you know go to weirdportlandunited.org to find out information about the gala, and uh, tickets are for sale right now. And uh, VIP tickets get you in an hour early to have a meet and greet with the people who are featured on the. Weird Portland United's uh, photo shoot, the poster of um, that poster is so cool. It's re- it's really really cool. So Port, uh, Weird Portland United put on a uh, gathering all the mavens of weird in Portland from Portland's history and present and future, and um, it's it's a remarkable collection of uh, of people. And uh, many of them will be there to sign the poster for yeah. you. And so uh, are get you your going VIP to that? tickets. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. am too. I think I'm going on. I'm taking a date on it. What? I am taking, or actually Joni DeRoshi will be taking me because she's nice. like, if you go, I'm going with you. So I will be there with my good friend, Joni DeRoshi. Fun. Um, and also on, I believe it's the 19th, the weekend of 18th, 19th and 20th, October is the retro gaming convention ah, and yes. uh me and brian will be there brian will be at his you know piper booth and i will be helping him i'll probably have a couple notebooks and stuff out although that crowd is not like a buying crowd that's what we realize mm. they've spent all their money to get there and right. like which is fine i mean 
But um, but yes, at least come say hi to us. Um, we'll be around. It's always fun. They've always got really neat things set up at the at the retro gaming. Did you come to? You've come to that a yep. couple times, yep. right? Uh, last two years, and Quarter World uh, usually has a big sponsorship of it and provides an entire um, floor uh, full, floor full, <laughs> warehouse of, full, full of uh, games. I mean, there's and, like 50, 60 yep. just coin op games that yeah. you can just walk up and play for free so very cool so come check us out there Uh, next week we will be back with Portland at the movies doing our October horror movie we will be doing a sequel to what we did last year last year we did a movie called Harvest of Fear filmed in Estacada and now we are doing the sequel to that which is called um (laughs) I don't know some the other harvest of fear (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> late know. late harvest a path of evil path of it evil. is called uh available at movie madness and that is almost it <laughs> almost <laughs> nowhere else uh, so do stay tuned for that uh special thanks to fun employment radio they are having their big uh 10 year anniversary um on when is it november i want to say 15 15th. friday the, uh friday the 15th uh november 15th um so they have yet to announce what they're calling like some really, really huge. And I think probably beyond what, what you and I kind of know about it. Um, but there's apparently going to be some like huge one of a life once in a lifetime, something or others going on. So uh, tune into them every day to find out more. They'll be revealing more and more, but definitely uh, get your tickets. They are $10 each, which is a great price for a night full of, of what will be some great entertainment. So check that out. Uh, FunEmploymentRadio.com. Uh, what should we go out with? Is there, it's like mm. a McCarthy song. Mc- <laughs> McCarthyism song. I mean, like some punk band has got to have sung a song about. There's a McCarthy rap. So um, I'll blindly click good, on this. Good luck. McCarthyism rap by Ara Blaze, which has 272 views over seven years. So I'm sure this will be fantastic. So we will see you guys later. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's about the cold war, so take some notes. Oh no. To be reelected, and you needed some votes. Speech vote aimed at all the Aww. communist folks. He's Put trying. Because the new menace of book. 205 communists in the 40s to 50s. New that had a head. Walked upon the vulnerable cities. Like the Taliban on our streets, riding our fixes. Because they sold the truth. But in fact, did he really? And it's the people accused of being communists. With no proof, but they suffered the same consequence of a real criminal who they should have focused on. Instead, are they blind? I don't know what's going on in their head. America's innocence destroyed. Russia's new weapons deployed. A country promising equal living from any fighter communist. America trying to fight for peace by making war in the east. The cartism like disease across the nation. Neighbors and friends turning against each other. No hesitation. Huh. You know, the lyrics are not bad. Not bad at all. His flow needs some help, but. Well, go go check out Ara Blaze. A R A Blaze. <laughs> He's blown out his own mic. I'm oddly fascinated by this. This is his like double the number of views in in a day. He's gonna freak out. Get that Mark and Todd guys bump. I wonder if that's like his. Ooh. A guest rapper. Influencing people using this 
misguided propaganda and in space had caused a worldwide phenomenon a whole country in fear that had gone on too long a new face had violated the rights of man not even one person able to take a stand McCarthyism had affected the lives of many changed history's course which wasn't going so steady McCarthyism's effects oh. had many that's pretty impressive this is verse after verse I wonder if this is like their school project alright well <laughs> There's no way out of this. Good times. <laughs> Bye.